You're listening to Novel Bound, a podcast dedicated to making you laugh and keeping you company. Each week, we're sharing all of our favorite books and the embarrassing side of life. Welcome back to Novel Bound. I'm Anna. I'm Celine. And today, we are going to be talking about books that changed our perspective on life. Yes. Full of all the good feels and us telling you yep. what to do with your life. So, yeah, sit basically. back. Let us mom friend you so hard. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, since we're going to be talking about such positive things today, I thought we would start off with something absolutely ridiculous with some serious tea, tea spilling. So, Anna, we're going to talk about breakups. Yes. We're happily married. Bring In fact, on. so happily married that I feel like I'm finally <laughs> mentally healthy enough to talk about getting dumped. <laughs> So yeah, so have you, I want to know your craziest breakup story, like when someone dumped you and you, like what you did in that situation. Okay, so to be honest, I've actually never been dumped. You mean cheerleader Anna was never dumped? Are you freaking kidding me, Anna? I know. I've always done Are you kidding me? Okay. I'll say this, it sucks to dump someone. It sucks. <laughs> and if you, yeah, okay, right. you know what? I just thought, to be fair, there was this one time in middle school where I don't think he, like, dumped me. It was more of, like, we just awkwardly never talked again. <laughs> I don't know why. I have no idea. We never talked again. <laughs> so I've maybe got, that can count. <laughs> I've got trauma. <laughs> It's like the sparkles. Trauma. Yes. Yes. I have trauma. It's fine. Okay. So, um, well, let's start with you. Well, okay. I'll give you, I think I've talked about it before is one of the stories is when I had the guy walk like an hour. So, cause I was like, I need to talk to you. And he walked an hour to my house and I was like, I think we should break up. And he's like, okay. And literally turned around and just started walking back. Ooh, that one. I felt really bad about. Oof. Oof. Yeah, I mean, but if you want to talk about trauma, I dated this guy for, like, two years, and I was, he was in Virginia, and then I moved to Utah to go to school, and I, like, broke up with him, and I was, like, hiding in my closet in my dorm room, like, with all my clothes over top of me, on the phone with him, like, I think we should end it, and, oh my gosh, it was, like, sob story, talk about traumatic, that was, like, the worst breakup of my life. Oh, wait, what made it traumatic? First off, why just were you in your closet it... with lots of clothes all over you? Like, Anna, you just, like, set us in this scene that, like, we have no context for. First off. So, it had been, like, Why did you, you know, want to break up with him? I feel like He's, like, listening, a lot he's, of like, people... why, Anna? Why? Why did you He's, like, yeah. With... I've never gotten closure. <laughs> okay, go. I just feel like a lot of people can probably relate to this, um... Our relationship was kind of on the down anyways before I left. And so I left. And then, you know, who wants to do long distance? And we knew that it wasn't going to lead to anything serious. I mean, but it was hard. We had spent two of our years of our lives together. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we thought, like, I just, we were just familiar and comfortable with each other. But, I I mean, he was never going to end it. That's how it was. And so I was like, fine, I'm going to have to be the one. I'll take charge. It's going to suck for both of us. But, like, we just both need to move on. And so I called him. I mean, okay, 
full story, you know, he's probably a very good person, but, like, the relationship itself, it it wasn't great. <laughs> a little <laughs> mm, controlling. Two out of ten stars. A little manipulation. Yeah. Casual. Casual. <laughs> and so Honestly, I just, like... <laughs> when you're young, all relationships are like that. Let's be real. Yeah. You're selfish no one... when you're a teenager. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, thank you. That's perfect. So, I just remember, yeah. like, I finally, I, like, woke up that morning and I was like, today's the day. <laughs> and I, like, wrote all my thoughts down in my notebook. And then I, like, so I w- had three roommates at the time. So, to get some privacy, I went mm. in my closet and, like, closed the door and just sat without my clothes and called him and was like, hey, it's time. We need to end things. And he started, like, crying. And he was like, no. <gasps> like, it was, yeah, he started crying. It was uh. rough. And I just had to be the person, like, no, we, we have, and he's like, we can make it work. And I was like, no, we can't. Like, for the sake of both of us, we need to move on from each other. Oh. It was, I've literally never spoken to him since that moment. Talk about, you know, no closure. It's okay, Oh. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. It all worked out in the end, right? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. That's crazy. Well, like, how did he... Did he, like, how did it end? Like, you know what I mean? You were like, it's gonna go. Like, how did you get him to be like, okay, was it like Ari and, um, Becca, right? Becca's, like, it's a situation where she's, like, crying in the bathroom for, like, an hour and the- And he's just like, like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Is that what happened? A little bit. I, like, he could not accept it, and so I just had to block him everywhere. I just had to block him everywhere and was like, we had a good run, goodbye. (laughs) Hmm. I feel like I'm a 50-50 girl. Like, I've I've done yeah. some really awkward breakups, or I've done some really... Or I've had my heart broken and been <laughs> devastated. Like, completely <laughs> devastated. Because, <laughs> like, basically, like, in my... When I start a relationship or a fling of some kind, I decided... <laughs> we're both married, like, how many years are we yeah. married? Five years? Four years? I've been married five for five years. years. Yeah. Tanner, I hope our husbands do not listen to this episode. <laughs> Actually, no. They don't... <laughs> Like, I don't tell Tanner all of these stories. I'm literally like, babe, it's fine. They'll just know how much we love them. Tanner, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie, Tanner's mother, if you're listening to this, I love your son. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, like, I feel like, so, with the flings, I was in control because I felt like I knew what the end game was, and I was like, Mm -hmm. like, for example, like, my first boyfriend, I knew I had to go to college, and I was like, I'm not going to college at 17 with a boyfriend like that just right exactly no like I haven't done anything cool in my life I just want to like explore the world and um so that poor wonderful human being was like so kind and sweet but literally like he was he was like I, I can drive up every other weekend and like come see you and this and that and he like wrote me these like really oh. sweet letters he, and like, I literally was like my like ice cold heart I was literally like uh yeah da, da, da. I remember listening Taylor Swift's red album had just come out and oh. it was like begin again had just come out and, and you're I was like, like feeling it and you're like yes i'm gonna be I like, like girl. But on a wednesday in a cafe <laughs> like i was ready <laughs> but i just remember like um and the guy immediately after him so like i broke up with him remember i'm in college for the first time there are boys my age at this yeah. school who find me attractive which didn't happen in high school <laughs> and i literally was like this is amazing. I can go on dates with boys now. This is great. And I just remember going on my first date with, like, someone that, like, literally threw, like, a piece of paper at my head. 
oh, and like, I was like, hey, and then I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, and he had like a written a note, like, you're oh, cute. cute. You are, <laughs> the letter U, you are cutie. Um. <laughs> Just kidding, that was not how it went. <laughs> but anyways, basically we ended up like going on the date. Like I think Homeboy like made me waffles and my roommates, oh. like I'd come home. This is like three days into us. Like we go on. We, like, we're texting each other. I guess I will just set this up because, honestly, it was just the coolest yeah, I've ever been. Um, okay, so he text, he gets my number, and he's like, I want to take you on a date. This is, by the way, the second boy I've ever interacted with. My first boyfriend that I had just broken up with was my first kiss. This is my second interaction with the male species where <laughs> I am like, hi, you are an attractive male, and you're attracted to me? What? This has never happened. So that's, like, basically where I've been my whole life mm-hmm. is, like, I would pine after boys that literally thought I was... That I didn't exist. I know that sounds like cliche, but like, honestly, I really don't think, I think I got put in the box of like, she's a peppy little religious girl. I think that we should stay away from her. (laughs) And so not that I wasn't like adorable, but like, I just think that people were like, hmm, I think this one seems more approachable. (laughs) And so finally I was like at college with my people. And anyways, so I'm at, I'm feeling myself. I'm very confident at school and anyways homeboy like gets my number from the paper wad throwing thing and then I like (laughs) so then he texts me he's like I want to take you to a drive-in and he like finds out like what my favorite soda is and like oh my gosh she's dedicated yeah and like he um he like had his roommate and his date so they were like in the we were all like in the back of his truck at this drive-in and I was, like, so excited. I hadn't done anything yet in college. I didn't yeah. have a car. This was so cool. Anyways, he had, like, my favorite soda. And he, like, we were watching the movie. It was great. Anyways, long story short, homeboy, like, plants one on me. And I didn't see it coming. Oh, this has actually happened with, like, six of my boys that I've been involved with. Is like, I literally don't realize they're going to kiss me until suddenly I'm like, oh, we are kissing now. I should have prepared for this. <laughs> Multiple times. That's another story. But anyways, long story short, he was so kind and sweet. Like, Three days later, I come in and he's wearing my roommate's apron and is making bacon and eggs and waffles in my apartment. Oh and my like, gosh. He like would, he was so kind. Like I cannot say anything. Like the kind, ones that broke like, my heart, I will trash them. A little bit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, no, that's what it was. It's like he would send me these really long text messages every night. And I, we had only known each other a week, a week and a half when I was like, this ah, is like, Red flag. That's, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so, like, very sweet person, very dedicated, legit, like, very good person. Anyways, I just remember I kind of, like, ended things with him, and I was like, hey, like, I feel like I want to, I don't want a boyfriend right now. I've literally been at school for a week and a half, two weeks. Mm -hmm. Like, I just broke up with a boyfriend so I could be here. I still want to be single and ready to mingle. So, this was weird. And he... We had just watched, like, a John Mayer, I love John Mayer, like, a concert of his, like, on YouTube, and he, like, posted the lyrics on his, Facebook status to, like, one of John Mayer's songs, Ah! and, like, did, like, he would post, like, all the time, like, different little, like, key reminders of, like, how we thought of me, and I was just sitting there, like, you're so awesome, but, like, literally... I am 17 and psycho right now. Just let me be like crazy. Anyways, so that was like you the can't tie me breakup. down. Um, I have a, I have a few breakup experiences. That oh, I was. Oh, I totally want to hear them, but I just remembered. 
I, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I forgot about this. When I was in high school, this guy who I think really liked me, he asked me to the homecoming dance and mm-hmm. I went with him. And while there, he asked me out. I don't know why I didn't like him. Like, I'm thinking back and I'm like, he was cute. Why didn't I want to date him? Yeah. Like, he was really cute and sweet. And literally, I remember being like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I think you like me more than I like you. Like, that's so horrible. And I, like, thinking back, I'm like, why would I say that? But, like, my, like, dumb high school self was like, just say it nicely. Just give him the facts. Like, I wasn't trying to be mean. (laughs) But literally, his mom had driven us both to the dance. And he stood up and he was like, my mom is not giving you a ride home. (laughs) And then I was outside waiting and he pulled up with his mom and he got out. And he's like, my mom says that we have to take you home. I was like, it's okay. I can get a friend to take me home. And he was like, all right, whatever, bye. Uh, Will, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. I should have dated you. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have to have my friend Lauren on here. She's She goes to school with Tanner. And um, she we were having, like, the, I have to have her on to just tell this story. But basically yes. at prom, she was trying to avoid someone, like a boy that was, like, in love with her. Oh, and no. so... Like, that was her date, but then she realized that he wanted to be with her and, um, like, was going to, like, ask her out. So she hid oh under her gosh. friend's giant prom dress, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> While yeah. she was dancing with her boyfriend, like, her friend, right? Oh. So she's just, yeah. homegirl is hiding under a dress, <laughs> like, and then while that's happening, her boyfriend, her friend's boyfriend is breaking up with her as she's in this dress overhearing this because he's oh, gay. No! No! Oh my gosh. No, we need to hear this whole story. We have to have her I know! On have, I have to bring her on. She also <laughs> loves Sarah J. Moss. She's, like, there for everybody that loves it. Oh, I literally, yes. like, she said that to me, and I was like, what a twist! What a story! <laughs> like, I literally was like, you're kidding me! <laughs> it was great. Anyways, um, yeah. I have this awkward thing where, like, so, like, once I've decided, like, okay, I will... But, you know this about me. Once I've decided to be mm-hmm. someone's friend or, like, to do anything, I do it so hard. And you can just imagine yeah, what that is commit. like in a relationship. So if I'm fling Celine, I'm like, let's be fun. This is cool. Um, I don't want to develop feelings, and I have, like, a blockade. But the minute that I'm like, <laughs> no, like, this is this is endgame situation. This is real. I am let's do it. I am level five clinger. I am the guy that was, like, super nice to me. Like, I am him. <laughs> that you were like, um, hey, back off. <laughs> so, like, the first three or four weeks, I am, like, so there's, there are multiple stages to dating me. If I, I've overanalyzed at 4 a.m. all of this, like, why didn't boys want me? Why am I not wanted? But, um, what I can, the only analysis that I could bring up is that in the pre-dating stage, I'm that light, airy, fun, little, megapixie attempt to be megapixie dream girl where I'm like oh I play guitar and I'm educated (laughs) and look my hair is curly you know and um it's great and then like we're good for the first three weeks because I don't trust them yet but then once I'm like no this is good I like this boyfriend stuff Mm. then I'm like okay I'm feeling it I'm feeling these vibes let's make out all the time let's like hang out 24 (laughs) 7 what are you doing right now and like literally Tanner luckily my husband was all game for it. He's like, yes, I too am ready for Endgame. In fact, he was ready for Endgame way before I was, and it was Aww. so awesome because I finally found someone that was, like, obsessed with me as much as I was with them. But 
Anyways, long story short, when that happens and Homeboy's like, wait, I want to play around. I don't want to, like, have this level five clinger. Um, and he goes, you're great, but um, I want to, like, date around. And I'm like, cool. Thanks. I'm going to go listen to Taylor Swift and cry. So this is the, this is the breakup <laughs> process. I have, like, several stories, but I'm just going to summarize them into, like, the breakup process. We'll save it. them for another episode. So I go home. Blast, Last Kiss by Taylor Swift. Yes. Yes. Dear John, every single mm. time. Wonderland, oh, Taylor Swift, you got my soul. <laughs> Just in your hands. Crying the whole time. I usually have a rebound at some point, but first, this is the stage with which I, I cope. I go home, I cry, sob, was like, I was going to marry this guy. Why did this not work out? And then I always have to see them because I either have a mm-hmm. class with them or... Like, I see them at church, or I was like, their their friends are my friends. And so, the next time we see each other, I look so hot. <laughs> I, like, yes. either dye my hair, cut my hair, get mm-hmm. bangs, get a new outfit. Give yourself a new hair color. Oh, always. I think I dyed my hair, like, every other season. And I just, like, I look super hot. And then, that. then comes, like, a weird three-week we, like, make out or we cuddle, or, like, something weird where, like, we can't break it off, and it gives me the satisfaction of, like, it's not that you're not attracted to me. It's that <laughs> you can't handle this personality, because clearly the attraction's there. And then after, like, a weird awkwardness, um, we both never bring it up Talk ever again, again, and we just fade, and it's really <laughs> awkward, and then I am now talking about it on a podcast. So clearly I've coped ben, well. Ben. No, I love it. I'm, like, the exact opposite of you, because I okay, usually go. did the breaking up with... Yes. So, so I would break up homeless? with a guy. <laughs> no, but I had this one artist. Her name is, I think it's like Jessie J or Jessie James. And she had this song called I Look So Good Without You. Oh, and yeah. it was my anthem. So I'd break up with a boy. I would like blast a song. I would drive down all the back roads in Virginia. And I would be like, mm-hmm. I'm free. Like, I can do whatever I want. I would like start... Yeah. Like, going on dates with all these guys that I thought were cute. Like, I was a little wild. So, yeah. I didn't want to be tied down. In fact, even meeting my husband now, I was like, I'm not looking for marriage. Like, I'm not really looking for anything serious. I just thought he was really cute, and I just wanted to get to know him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Jalen tied me down. Good job, dude. Good job. You did what no other guy could. <laughs> Score that dime. Mm. Yes. 100%. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I have so much more to add to it, but that's not what this episode's about. I know. So we're just going to move on. <laughs> I literally, like, we could spend days being like, let we me could. tell you about the most awkward thing that has ever happened to me. Okay. Ooh. We'll get there, though. So, what are we going to talk about today? All right. Today, we're just talking about books that change our perspective on life, um, which mm-hmm. it's going to be a little bit different than previous episodes because... We're not really talking about YA books, but these, like, I do think you guys should all check these books out. They're amazing. They're so well written. I'm very excited to hear about them. Mm. All right. Do you want me to just jump in? Yeah, girl. How many books do you have? Anna has literally, like, bullet pointed, lettered statements for each thing. Oh, yes. Like, she is. I'm very passionate about I've never seen her so, so prepared (laughs) for our outline ever. Okay, go ahead. I was ready. Okay, so the first book I'm talking about is Wild by Cheryl Strayed, and it's actually a memoir that she wrote about her decision to hike the Pacific Crest Trail, which is the western, it's like this trail on the western side of the United States 
that yes. is from like the top to the very bottom of it on the left side. The west side, I guess. Whatever. You get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me just read the little summary for you guys. At 22, Cheryl Strayed thought she had lost everything. In the wake of her mother's death, her family scattered and her own marriage was soon destroyed. Four years later, with nothing more to lose, she made the most impulsive decision of her life. With no experience or training, driven only by blind will, she would hike more than a thousand miles of the Pacific Crest Trail from the Mojave Desert through California and Oregon to Washington State. And she would do it alone. Told with suspense and style, sparkling with warmth and humor, Wild powerfully captures the terrors and pleasures of one young woman forging ahead against all odds on a journey that mandated, strengthened, and ultimately healed her. And y'all, this book, like, touched my soul. I loved this what? book so much. You okay, know when why? you just read a book and you relate? So it starts off, and not okay, not exactly starts off, but you learn, so her mother dies of cancer. Mm-hmm. And you learn that, I think, in the very beginning of the book. Um, yeah. And I think it happened when she was like 20 or 21 or 22, around that age. Um, and she does, it is like rocks her world because her and her mother were so close and she's just consumed with grief and so she start make she starts making all of these like horrible life decisions oh no um and she just makes all these mistakes and her going on this you know this hike is her like thinking back and trying to just like do something for herself that she can just rely only on herself for in fact i I want to read you some reviews and some quotes, but I want to read you just, like, the first paragraph or two of the book. Do it, yes. Because it, like, gives such a good tone for how the whole book is. Okay, so I'll start. The trees were tall, but I was taller. Standing above them on a steep mountain slope in the Northern California, in Northern California. Moments before, I'd removed my hiking boots and the left one had fallen into those trees. First, catapulting into the air when my enormous backpack toppled onto it then skittering across the gravelly trail and flying over the edge. It bounced off of a rocky outcropping several feet beneath me before disappearing into the forest canopy below, impossible to retrieve. I let out a stunned gasp, though I'd been in the wilderness 38 days, and by then I'd come to know that anything could happen and that everything would. But that doesn't mean I wasn't shocked when it did. My boot was gone, actually gone. I clutched its mate to my chest like a baby, though of course it was futile, What is one boot without the other boot? It's nothing. It was useless. An orphan forevermore, and I could take no mercy on it. It was a big lug of a thing, a genuine heft. A brown leather Rachel boot with a red lace and silver metal fasts. I lifted it high and threw it with all my might and watched it fall into the lush lush trees and out of my life. I was alone. I was barefoot. I was 26 years old and an orphan too. And so I just, that like sets the tone for the whole book because like, she, so she plans this three-month hike along the PCT, and, like, yeah. basically everything that can go wrong kind of does, because throughout the hike, you can send yourself packages because there's points that you can stop and, like, yeah. you know, restock your food, restock your supplies and everything that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, like, ends up losing her boots, and she's got to, like, duct tape her sandals to her feet, and, like, the hike is just rough on her. Like, I mean, you're hiking in the desert for three months, when you, and she, like, hadn't even really prepared for it. But yeah. just the journey of her going and, you know, learning how to be independent, because I don't think she ever had been independent before. And it's so, like, almost wholesome. Because she meets these people. And, like, while you hike, there's all these places at the trailheads for you to 
write your name down so that people can keep track of you. Like, you know, if a person goes missing and they're hiking the trail, yeah. they can be like, well, they were last known, signing into blah, blah, blah. Right. And so she, like, starts getting familiar with all the names because she's, you know, following all the same people. And so every time she gets to, like, a checkpoint, it's almost like you're meeting friends again. But then, like, throughout it, she's, like, looking back on her past experiences. Mm-hmm. I love it. So I'm going to read you a review now. <laughs> um what one did I want? So, I'll do this one. Wild is easily one of the best memoirs I've ever read for two main reasons. It is extremely well written. The book doesn't have that feeling which nonfiction books books often give me. A feeling that I'm stuck in the dreary real world and that I should have read some exciting fiction instead. It reads like a novel. A novel about grief and youth and adventure. It's full of memorable characters, drawn so vividly by the author, and it proves that true stories can be no less compelling than the most creative fantasies. Strayed captures the emotions of a young woman who has lost her anchor in life so very well. It's one thing to feel a certain way at times in your life, but it's another thing to entirely to be able to find the words to accurately portray how that feels to others. Beyond the emotional pull of the novel is an adventure story that takes us through all the highs and lows of the wilderness, interspersed with little anecdotes about the author's life before hiking the PCT. It shows everything that Strayed faces in her struggle to sort her life out. Everything from bears, rattlesnakes, and other people, to dehydration, destroyed feet, and the realization that she has not planned her trip very well. Many times <laughs> she considers giving up, and yet she pushes on. It's uplifting, and yet the messages the messages avoid being heavy-handed because they are surrounded by so much story and adventure. An easy-to-read, enjoyable book that has perfect balance of sadness and hope. And so, like, even just, to, like, when she very first starts her trail, she comes across, like, um, um, you know, the, oh, a longhorn bull. Oh, oh. And she, she yells out, because she's, I think she's from Ohio. She's from somewhere not on the West Coast, if I remember right. And so she sees yeah. it, and she's like, moo! She, like, screams moose at it and starts, like, trying to run away from it. But she, obviously, she has nowhere to go, and the cow doesn't even, it just stands there just looking at her, and she's just, like, screaming her head off at it. I remember laughing so hard at that scene. But the book is just so... I think it's also just so well written and you just get such a good glimpse into her life and how she's feeling. Like you feel like you really are going on this journey with her Mm -hmm. and I, it like changed my perspective on life because you know, like moments are fleeting and life's hard sometimes, but you can get through it. I love that. What do you feel like, what was the biggest like takeaway that you took from the book that you applied to your life? Oh, something that she even stresses on a lot is that, um, oh, here we go. Yes. This is the mantra, basically, of the whole book, and I love it. So, I made it the mantra of those days when I paused before yet another series of switchbacks or skidded down knee-jarring slopes when patches of flesh peeled off my feet along with my socks. When I lay alone and lonely in my tent at night, I asked often out loud, who is tougher than me? The answer was always the same. And even when I knew absolutely there was no way on this earth that it was true, I said it anyway. No one. And so basically, I it just I teaches you to just kind of rely on yourself and be, or mm. not even just be, but just believe in yourself that you really can do anything. And That's that was so like cool. my first time reading a, a book like that that taught that to me, and yeah. I loved it. I freaking love that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. I love yes. that. I really recommend everyone reads it. It's even just fun to read about the wildlife and the people she meets. But, like, what what anchors you to it is her story and how. Like, I remember there's a scene where her mother finally passes away in the hospital. And the only 
she had wanted to donate her body, you know, to help save other people. But the her body was so riddled with cancer that the only parts they could take were her eyes. And, oh like, gosh. Cheryl basically had, like, a panic attack about it because right when she died, they were like, we have to get the eyes out. Like, we have to make sure they're as fresh as possible. And she, like, like, it clicked in her mind that her mother had died. And she's like, you can't take her eyes away from her. Like, how will she ever see again? You can't take, like, this oh is my, my mother. She needs to stay whole. And it's, like, her grief because, and I, like, connected with it so well because I think everyone as teenagers, you have these moments with your parents where you're, like, you don't understand me and you like, you don't know me, and you, there's, like, a disconnect. But then you mm-hmm. get older, and you can, like, you come back to them, and you're like, I understand now, like, the things you were doing. I can relate to you now more than ever. And she never yeah. had that moment to do that. She, her mother died, you know, with that disconnect of her being Oh, young yeah, because she's only, like, 26. Yeah, she's I think so her mother young. died when she was, like, 22. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, I definitely recommend this book to everyone. It... I think about it all the time. I've read it a couple of times, and I usually don't reread books. So mm-hmm. that's cool. I love that. Thank you. How wow, many times can I say that in an episode? <laughs> 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 wow, I love that. Great. <laughs> um, as many times. That's as you awesome. Want. <laughs> okay, so the book that I love is called *The Hiding Place* by Corey Ten Boom, and I think that this is first off, like just kind of going off of what. Hold on. Off of what you've kind of, how incredible is it that, um, we can, first off, that someone can write so vividly that they can make you feel things, they can change you, you know what I mean? Like, how amazing are writers that they can not only, just like, I know we like talk about books and stuff, but just the journey of writing something so Mm -hmm. personal, so, like, so... I don't know, like, like, like it, it can change you. Your soul you almost. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And I, I literally, it's I'm so, so thankful for authors because I don't know how they do it. Like, it's like yeah. they reach inside of themselves and perfectly put into words what people are feeling. And that's hard to do. Like, if yeah. you've ever tried to write down your feelings and have yeah. them be true, it's hard. Yeah, or even just to write a funny scene is hard. Like, literally, mm-hmm. I'm working on, like, uh, please don't anyone be like, so how's your book going? I am working on a book for fun, and it's literally just, like, an escape <laughs> thing for me to just, like, mm-hmm. I really enjoy writing fun scenes. Anyways, it I read through it, and I'm like, ah, like, what? Like, this sucks. Right? But, like, it's so funny to, like, I don't know, to just see the fact that somebody has created something so beautiful, and I know that that's so hard and difficult, mm-hmm. and, like, Authors got me through the toughest times of my life when I have gotten yeah. so stuck and I didn't know, like, isn't that incredible about the human race is that we're so advanced that not only do we, are we surviving, but we also write the written language is like there to help us grow, you know, and mm-hmm. we get to learn from so many different people who can teach us so many different things and touch our hearts. So I just, I love that. That, that makes me really happy about the, these books that changed our perspective mm-hmm. in life. Um, so I went, I studied abroad when I was in college and it was the best experience of my life. If you have the ability to, I did it and it was, it was the best. I paid for everything myself and mm-hmm. I, I was so grateful for it. It changed my whole life. That was right after a breakup. And let me tell you, Europe is the Ooh, best. I bet that was a perfect, yeah, I bet that was yes. perfect. I didn't like kiss anyone. I was like, oh, Switzerland, you and me can hang. I'll just chill in these mountains. <laughs> cool. Um, so I went to eight different countries and one of the countries that I was able to visit was, the con was in Germany and we went to Munich and we went to these concentration camps and 
it was honestly the most devastating experience of my life when we were on the like tour and stuff like that there the the tour guide said this thing to me that just really affected me he said Mm -hmm. I'm a tour guide because of the fact that I want people to remember how humans treated each other if you don't learn from history you're doomed to repeat it and so he says that his entire role in his life is that we never repeat the trauma and the casualties that happened to the people at the concentration camp and this is a man from Germany who's lived there his whole Mm -hmm. life who lived in Munich his whole life and he's like I just wanted to dedicate my entire life to helping prevent the way that people treat each other like this ever again and as he took yeah um as he took us through the gates there was a message written in German obviously because it's in Germany (laughs) and um (laughs) it was I want to say it's Achmann Free. Every someone in Germany is like, no, Celine, work will. <laughs> it means work will set you free in German. And it, yeah, Arbeit man free, frei. Ooh, I like. I'm so sorry. You're trying. You're trying. But I know I have it memorized. There's a picture of it. In fact, I'll even like post pictures that I took um, with my Do camera. Obviously, I'm a photographer. And the first thing that you see when you walk through this labor camp is work will set you free. And in Dachau, they, it was more for political. Um, prisoners as well it wasn't as intense of a concentration camp but honestly there was you walk in there and there's this like somber tone um and it's gathered it's surrounded by these like chain link fences that were electrified and sometimes the the students or not the students the prisoners would be so like this is the worst that they would run to the electric fences in order to find their end like they that they could get away because they knew that what was there was worse for them yes and Mm -hmm. They were in absolutely wretched conditions. Honestly, it was, like, it was crazy just, like, learning about the things that they did. And one of the last things we did was walk through the crematorium where they had burned the bodies and, like, gotten rid of everybody. And at one point, so when the liberators came to liberate the people from the prison, sorry, I don't know why I'm, like, having such a hard time, like, communicating my thoughts. I'm like, oh, Celine, go because you're this. feeling so deeply. It really is true. So, anyways, when the... Liberators came through, the people, they had, they didn't have enough fuel to burn the bodies, so they had been stacking the bodies up, and so they had to basically, where the crematorium was, like, wade through the bodies and stuff like that, and they actually went and took the people of Munich and made them walk through and see what had happened, because they had no idea that this was, like, the treatment of the prisoners, and, like, they were sick to their stomachs. They couldn't understand, like, how the treatment of things were. In fact, when they ate food for the first time, like, all those prisoners, some of them, like, a lot of them ended up dying because they hadn't eaten, like, anything rich. Their bodies couldn't handle it, yeah. Yeah, um, and I just, I remember there was just a spirit of mourning there that I had never felt, and it just really impressed upon me as we learned about the livelihood and the way that this prison camp and concentration camp worked. And honestly, like, it was crazy. My entire, like, group, we were laughing and giggling and, like, having a great time on the Mm -hmm. way up and throughout the trip. And then I just remember on the way home, it was dead silent. Like, all of us had been affected by understanding it. I cannot tell you how much learning about these things, and and even with Wild, it's like, we have to understand pain in order to grow. It's a part of a human experience, Mm -hmm. and I really hope no one, that we in our lives never see anything like this. I think this this kind of stuff still does happen in in our world, but I hope that we never personally have to struggle with the death of a parent while you're young and stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. so I got home, and I was like, wow, like, after going to Europe and enjoying my trip, I was just like, 
that was just something that had stuck out for me. I only shot in black and white because I just felt like the that place was devoid of any color in like the most symbolic sense. And I remember talking to my friend's mom. Um, this is one of my favorite people, but um, she, <laughs> I love her. But anyway, so she like she said. I was talking to her about it and how, like, depressed I was. I had just read The Book Thief because I wanted to understand this more. And she said, have you read The Hiding Place? And I was like, no. And she goes, I think that'll bring you hope. I think that'll help you Mm -hmm. understand why things happened and how to find... Because I was like, there was no peace. There's no... Like, how do you find peace in such a dark situation? And that is what this book Mm -hmm. discusses. It's how to find peace in every single situation. And this is, like... She uses religion to get through. So, like, if you aren't like a super religious person I would just say like I'm probably gonna like talk about the things that I learned so like if you want to just skip on to Anna's extra recommendation great but I'm about to get like a little bit churchy because I just really like grew so much in my faith from seeing this because the biggest question that she had is like well where is and I think a lot of people ask this where is God when people are suffering like things like that and it taught me so much about gratitude so let me just read this really fast at one time Corey ten boom would have laughed at the idea that there would ever be a story to tell for the first 50 years of her life nothing at all out of the ordinary had ever happened to her she was an old maid watchmaker living contentedly with her spinster sister and their elderly father in the tiny dutch house over their shop their uneventful days as regulated by their own watches revolved around their abiding love for one another however with the nazi nazi invasion and the occupation of holland a story did ensue so she's this like 50 year old woman who gets plopped into, like, she is hiding, she's hiding Jews, she's, like, carrying secret messages, suddenly, like, she is forced to, like, have to do, like, she's, like, suddenly becoming, she creates, um, she and her family become leaders in the Dutch underground, and they hide Jewish people in their home in a specially built room, there's, like, they go into, like, how that happens, and so it's super interesting at first, because, like, you get to see that, but then they get captured, and, Every single person dies except for her oh um, in the concentration camps. And she has her sister. So she, like, kind of claims that she isn't um, – she's like, my sister has more faith than me. My father has more faith than me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she doesn't see herself as, like, mm-hmm. a strong person. And when they are in the prison camp, like, for example, they had to go through horrible things. One of the most traumatic experiences that she had was that she was forced to strip down in front of the German soldiers and then walk from one end of the room to the other so they could make sure mm-hmm. that they didn't have anything on them. And the way that the men looked at her, the way they treated her, it was so degrading and scarring. And remember, she's 50. At that point, I think she was like, yeah. she was like, you know, she had, she has never been married before, you know. She basically and thought her life was... Yeah, like, that was and her life. They would like Sorry. be crowded to, and it was just such a scarring experience for her. And then she, um, like, they would be in the in the their. And by the way, they would have like five to six women on a bed. Like there was no room to mm-hmm. sleep. There was no room for anything. And everybody had fleas like that. And they would hear gunshots every morning. And they the women would wonder, was that someone I loved or not? And they would kill men every single, you know, and it was just crazy. So the things that she went through there was, was insane. And at one, at some point, her sister passes away. But what's crazy is like, and at that point, she's like, now I'm alone. Where can I find hope? Where can I find God? And she thinks back to the way that her sister lived. And I just, I have so many quotes from this that I just thought were so powerful. Um, this is just something that I wanted to share someone's review And then I will kind of, like, go Mm -hmm. through it. So so this is from a lady, a girl named Meg from Utah. I don't know anything about her. 
Um, but it's on Goodreads. Every human being should be required to read this book. I guarantee it will change forever the way you look at life. And it's literally how to find hope and joy in the darkest of circumstances. The, that's what I just said. That was just me adding to her thing. <laughs> the memoir is a true account of Corrie ten Boom's experiences in German-occupied Holland during World War II. The most amazing thing to me is that she was not Jewish. She was a Dutch Christian who freely sacrificed her own life and the lives of those she loved most to fight against cruelty and hate. I read the book out loud to my husband, taking a break at some point in each chapter just because I couldn't read for the tears. I can understand overcoming in tragedy, but thanking God for the fleas that eat your flesh, which, by the way, that was a huge thing that happened to them, and they were so grateful that the fleas were there. They came to... She was like, how can I be grateful for fleas? But then they realized later on that the miracle that had happened was that they were allowed to read their Bible and have community in their um, thing because the other tent, the other buildings that didn't have fleas, they were like, they weren't allowed to have anything, but the, the guards didn't want to like touch stuff with the fleas and get it on them. So they like, they were constantly looking to see where God was present, even when there wasn't, when they felt like God wow. wasn't there. Like how can God exist in a concentration camp? How can these fleas yeah. change my life? Um, praying for the guard who beats you. This is me going back to there her review two questions kept going through my mind in the journey with Corey. are there really people in the world that are this good and why am i such a selfish ungrateful spoiled brat i love the paradox of a tragedy not told as a tragedy unimaginably horrible things happen and yet it's told as the wonderful story of forgiveness faith and gratitude for constant miracles and mercies of god unbelievable um and one of the things that i just loved was this was something that i i has stuck with me for the rest of my life so when she's really young she and her father were walking to this train station, or not, she, sorry, back to what I was just saying, was when she's, like, stressing out, she's like, dad, this is her as a 50-year-old woman, dad, like, why am I, like, when are we going to know when this is going to happen, how do we know how things are going to work out, like, I, like, like we all do, we want to have control, we want to know how things are going to end, and we can't go forward until we know it, and how am I going to get through this, how are we going to get through this, and her dad looks at her, and he goes, when we were young, and I took you on a train. Did I give you your ticket, like, before we even left? Or did I give you your ticket? When did I give it to you? And she's like, when we got on, about to go on the train. She, he goes, yes. God's going to give you the strength that you need, not for, not in today, but tomorrow when you need it. And wow. you, yeah, like, God is going to give it to you. And I think that's one of the things that has really stuck with me in my life is when something difficult happens, I just go, like, I wonder how God's going to get me through this. Like, you know, I'm interested, like, instead of me being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened to me, because honestly, like, crap hits the fan of my life all the time, but I can be like, I'm so excited, and that's crazy, but this is what this book has taught me. I'm so excited to see how God, how God's going to answer this prayer, and how he's going to, like, what I'm going to learn through it, and um, the way, and I'll just end with this, is that at some point, so she's now, obviously, she's the only one that was out, that, like, ended. Her dad and her yeah. sister died. And um, years later, she's speaking at, a like, a church conference and is, like, kind of, like, talking about the atonement and the mercy and stuff like that. And she sees one of the guards that saw her when she was being screened and, like, was naked and stuff like that, which is one of the most horrific experiences of her life. Yeah. She sees him and she recognizes him. He doesn't recognize her. But she remembers him because... Yeah. And he goes up to her and he's just like, thank you so much for your story. And he extends his hand to her. And at that moment, she was filled with so much... Like, how can you look at someone in the eyes that has been a witness and has been a cause of so much pain and grief? You know what I mean? Like, he represented... You know what I mean? Like, we've had people in our lives that have hurt us and you're like, how can I... He literally, like, was a part of them. 
And she said that at that moment, the thought came to her was to extend the hand, and she felt like she could not in any way forgive him. But as she extended her hand, she felt God take over and do the rest. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. like the atonement filled that gap where she couldn't heal. Does that make sense? Exactly. Like, yeah. Where, like, she... She, she like, brought her best to the table, and he yeah. finished the rest. Yeah. It is the last page in this book, and I honestly wish I could find... Like, I don't have the book with me at this moment, and I just really could not tell you how incredible this person is and how much I learned, like, about the fact that, like... Like, for example, one of the things that I learned while I was at the concentration camp is that they would often sing in order to find hope. And mm-hmm. there were, like, that was a huge thing. Like, music and song was one of the only things that the prisoners could do at all. And they would dig a pit every single day. They would dig it up yeah. and then fill it back in and then dig it and then fill it back in. And I just think about the fact that, like, those people, they were finding joy and not even joy, but the ability to get through just the next five minutes, just the next step. Hope, yeah. And, yeah, in my life, like... I like I'm on antidepressants and like I have anxiety and stuff like that and I've had to learn how to find joy in the simplest things and and this book really taught me that so that's that book your turn wow that sounds freaking amazing that definitely sounds like a life perspective changing book yeah like how do you so like yeah (laughs) is she is most of the book is it just her like relaying her experiences and how she Mm. like overcomes them yeah. Wow. I'm glad that it, like, she was able to find hope in that and that it ends on, like, a very uplifting Mind-blowing note. Yeah, yeah, I honestly, there's so much that I, like, haven't shared from it, but honestly, I feel like every chapter you're finding something else. Like, there's a lesson in every single chapter. And it's just interesting yeah. to see these, like, two 55-year-old women, like, kind of, like, being spies <laughs> and, like, you know what I mean? And this, like, 80-year-old yeah. grandpa just trying to, like, it was his idea to, like do it (laughs) and like this wasn't even they weren't even Jewish this wasn't even there they were just Christian like you know and also just it gives you so much of a test of humanity that even in the darkest of times like like they were able to teach the gospel um to all of the people in the concentration camp and that's one of the things that the sisters said was like maybe we were called to be here so we could give people hope before they passed on even though she was someone that passed on she was like maybe that's why we're called here Mm -hmm. to go and find darkness or find light even in the darkest of times. Like, maybe that's what our job is. Like, maybe, Corey, you're here in this thing to prove to people that even where there is nothing, you are literally being beaten and, like, you know, that you can still see God. And I just feel like... Now, here's the deal. Life is freaking hard. Like, I feel like I don't want this to sound like toxic positivity where it's like, you can just make the best. Like, oh my gosh, no. Like, therapy, medication. Yeah. Life sucks. Life is not perfect. My life's not perfect. You don't got to go through everything on your own. Mm -hmm. No, but like, I really, it gave me, it taught me so much. And I just wish more people would read that because it really would change how they view the world and how they see the hope. Wow. That's awesome. What a great book. Yes. All right, so I have one last book, and I know this episode's yeah. going to be a little longer, but you guys, I have to talk about this book. This is this her favorite book, book. This is, like, one of my very favorite books of all time, and it's yes. even funny how we came across it because I didn't read it. I listened to it on audio, which I mm-hmm. never do. I very, like, it's weird. You know, I I like the way that, I don't, okay, you know how some people have an inner monologue? So I have an inner monologue. 
And I feel like when I read books, I'm very good at, like, portraying the feelings. And, and like, I'm very good at visualizing the scenes and how I want certain characters to sound. Yes. Um, so it was odd that I listened to it, but I would honestly recommend that everyone listen to it because I think it makes it a lot easier to understand. So it's a man called Uva, and his name is actually spelled O-V-E, and I only know it's pronounced Uva because you go <laughs> listen to the audiobook. Yes. Love it. <laughs> okay, but I'll read the back page for you. A grumpy yet lovable man finds his solitary world turned on its head when a boisterous young family moves in next door. Meet Uva. He's a, a Kermdudgeon. The book is originally written in Swedish, so, you know, some things might be lost in translation. <laughs> the kind of man who points at people he dislikes as if they were burglars caught outside his bedroom window. He has staunch principles, strict routines, and a short fuse. People call him the bitter neighbor from hell. But most Uva... But must Uva be bitter just because he doesn't walk around with a smile plastered to his face all the time? Behind mm. the cranky exterior, there is a story and a sadness. So when one November morning, a chatty young couple with two chatty young daughters move in next door and accidentally flatten Uva's mailbox, it is the lead-in to a comical and heartwarming tale of unknown cats. Sorry, of unkempt cats. Unexpected friendship and the ancient art of backing up a U-Haul, all of which will change one cranky old man and a local resident's association to their very foundation. So even reading that, I'm like, nope, doesn't do the book justice. <laughs> okay, bring sell it to me. Basically, the story is about this man, Uva, who I will say it, it he is grumpy and he lives his life in a very black and white manner. You know, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. Yeah. And his wife has passed away, and he basically decides, you know what, it's been long enough, I'm ready to die. And so he's like, I'm going to commit suicide, basically. Oh my gosh. But, and like, it kind of turns, in like a turn of events, his suicide attempts literally never work out, because his family is always like, just in this clueless manner, always going over like, please help us. Like, I think when he very first is trying to commit suicide, they like knock his mailbox down, and he's like... You know, he gets down, and he goes out, and he's like, I can't have a broken mailbox if people are going to find me dead. Like, my house has to be in order. And so he, like, <laughs> oh starts gosh. helping them back the U-Haul up. And, like, throughout all of this, like, you get this story of him um, getting closer with his family and teaching them things. And But then you get flashbacks of his life, and it is literally the sweetest love story I've ever heard. So it doesn't start really? out as a love story. Um but I do want to read a quote from the book about him and his wife. Sorry, let me get to it. It's only going to take two seconds, I promise. <laughs> a couple, like, this is how he refers to his, his wife, who has now, you know, passed away. Um, this is how Jalen and Tanner are going to refer to us after we've done Right? <laughs> it's how they, they better refer to us like this after. <laughs> um... Nah, sorry, I don't know why I can't find this. Um, okay, so he talks about his wife, and he basically says, He was a man of black and white, and she was color, all the color he had. He went through life with his hands firmly shoved into his pockets, and she danced. Um, and... Then the, like, defining one, it says, Ova had never been asked how he lived before he met her, but if anyone asked him, he would have answered that he didn't. And so 
you get these little snippets of his life and he has had a rough life. Like he, his father dies at a very young age. And I think at like 16, he drops out of school and goes to work in these like mines and he becomes like the strong or this railroad or something, but he becomes like the strongest one there. And he saves up all of his money. And he's finally like going to buy this house. And this guy comes and he's like, I can help invest your money for you. I'm a realtor. Like, let me help you. And the guy scams him out of all of his money. So then he has no money. So then Uber's like, you know what? F this, I'm going to build my own house then. He builds his own house, and two years later, it burns down. Like, this man goes through trial after trial after trial. And I think, you know, that's why he is the way that he is. He's sullen. Um, But then he meets this woman, and she, like, it says is, like, the color of his life. He, like, makes him, and he starts basically, like, living for her. And their love story is the sweetest love story I've ever read. And... This family that he meets, this girl, here we go. Let me read a review from um, this girl called Chai. I don't know anything about her. That's all her name said. <laughs> We're so sorry. If um, we, when we, we, we wish we could give more credit. We just don't know anything yes, about these people. Sorry. Go. <laughs> she says, so Beckman's singular novel traces the story of Uva, a cranky 59-year-old Swedish man who has lost his wife, then his job. Circumstances which, to him, presented sound, empirical argument for gloom. Uva's first suicide attempt is interrupted by his very pregnant and relentlessly blunt Iranian neighbor, Parvana, and her sunny husband who seems determined to aggrieve aggrieve Uva by not properly parking his car, and later for the rest of the novel by a series of comically mundane happenings that made him sufficiently angry to hold his attention. So that's literally basically what the book is about. Yeah. And, um... Here we go. My heart floundered and scrambled for Uva. Uva is not a people person, and you'd have to uncoil his DNA to fix that. He has a forceful personality and lives by the bullish assumption that any course of action he suggests would automatically be undertaken by those whom he suggested it to. And he is just as uncompromising, as unyielding in his integrity. There's a right way to do things, insists Uva, and a wrong way. But nothing in Uva's life, it seemed, happened naturally, only as unavoidable blows, like those of a sledgehammer, and as memories of his past pile up like yarn under a wheel, as we witness how the capricious tides of misfortune, which pull people this way and that, take special notice of Uva. I feel a gloom so heavy that it was as if I carried a rock in my chest. At the heart of the matter, after all, is grief, and Beckham's explanation of loss, what it means to be grieving and messily so, comes through with powerful clarity in a man called Uva. After his wife's death, Uva is like a raw nerve and would, and the world is always trying to touch him. Uva felt yeah. her absence within him like a hunger. She was always there, a shimmering apparition in the corner of their house, and the pages too. The years Uva had with her were the, bar- were the barometer against which the rest of his life was to be measured, and the rest of his life, hard as he tried, could not live up to that before. Love was a big blue wave that lifted Uva up, carried him forth, and just when he believed it would last forever... Disappeared from sight like water at high noon. Wow, this review, chef's kiss, beautifully written. (laughs) Um, But just said, a man called Uva will pull a smile from somewhere deep in its readers, crooked and loose and born of laughter and a heartbreaking sob too, edged with mourning for someone who doesn't exist but who will leave an inedible imprint nonetheless. So this book gave my soul just the warmest hug ever you really get to know who uva is and you start being like you know everyone thinks of him as just this grumpy neighbor but then you start hearing or you know reading about his his life and the things that have made him who he is and you're like 
this is the biggest slap in the face of like don't judge people like don't judge the strangers you don't judge a book by its cover you don't know what these people have gone through and and uva it turns out to be like a very selfless person i think he even like you know after all these trials his house burns down so then he builds a new one his wife it ends up she ends up getting in a horrible accident and becoming wheelchair bound but that never stops him so he Literally, he changes their whole house to be wheelchair accessible. He lowers the counter so that she can make her coffee in the morning. He does everything for her. He, so she becomes a teacher, and she drives her to school, and she does. he does everything he needs her to do. And I even think yeah. it talks about, like, that they wanted kids so bad, but they couldn't because she was wheelchair-bound. And I think just something stopped working for her there. And mm-hmm. this was, I think set you know his life with her was in like the 40s or the 30s and so like there wasn't as much resources as there are now so they just had to accept that they would never have kids um but like but then their kids start becoming the students that she teaches they start taking care of them and doing things for these kids and it's so it's so tender and you start loving the family that because like it's flashbacks you know from the past to now and so then uva as the 40 this 59 year old this family that basically saves his life and they i don't think they ever find out except for like way later and there's even i did like a scene in the book where uva is teaching this this pregnant iranian her name's pavla what was her name sorry y'all parvana he teaches parvana to back up and he's and she's really scared she's never done it and he goes in this whole monologue of like listen here, like, you moved across worlds. You came and you learned a new language and you have raised this family. And he's like, you're not an idiot. So prove to me that you're not an idiot right now and back this car because idiots can even do this. And, like, it's so, like, very old manish, but so cute at the same time. And, like, they end up becoming family. And I think he tries to, like, kill himself, like, five times. And it never works because they always inadvertently end up, like, stopping him. Not that they know. And so it's just this very cute story of, like, his life, and you come to just love all of the characters, and I love it. I think everyone should read it or listen to it. It's magical. I love that. Mm-hmm. I think, like, something that I'm really getting from what you've just shared, too, is that truly, I think in 2020, the year this year has been, like, one of the hardest yeah. of my life because... You didn't, we didn't get to experience as much of that humanity that we usually do. And it just shows me like, like, you know, and I think on social media, it's very hard. I actually like I've uninstalled Facebook and I've uninstalled, Mm -hmm. um, Instagram for the most part, because I just cannot, it's hard for me to be like, you know, where are the people that where's compassion, but especially with the news and stuff like that, it's been really hard for me to find hope. I just feel like everything is at, you know, the end, but when I've shut off my phone, and I've shut off the news and stuff like that, and I'm just present with the people, you know, when I'm at the grocery store and I smile at people, or when I'm walking down the street, or when, yeah. I mean, you you visited Tennessee, everyone's yes, having conversations so with me. Literally, we talked about, we were at Goodwill, because yeah, I love to thrift, it's one of my favorite things. We thrift shop. And this old yes. man there, we were just buying some books, and he was like, I've only ever read one book, the Bible. He was like, and it's the only <laughs> book I ever need to read. And it was this cute yes. little old man. And we were like, yes, old man, we love you. <laughs> and like every single person in line was like, yep. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 
you don't need to be in the Bible Belt or to believe in the Bible to like be a good person. But no, it yeah. was just so wonderful that, and that happens to me all the time in Tennessee. That's what I was so funny with me explaining to Anna. I'm like, this literally happens to me all the time. Like people ask <laughs> to pray for me, like people like love on my daughter, you know, but honestly, like when I shut off that and I focus on hum- humans helping each other, like, you know, in, in the world today, like you never know if something that you say or a message you send to someone if that could bring somebody hope that, like, you would never know, like, for I example, like, that. them inadvertently, like, you know, stopping his suicide. Saving his I mean, life, like, yeah. Yeah, so if there's somebody that you're thinking about right now that you felt like you could send them a message or a letter or give them a call that, you know, like, could use a little bit of a of an upbeat, you never know how, how you really can affect them because, yeah. as you can see through these books and stuff like that, is that people go through a lot and... But even in the darkest, like, you know, his yeah. his moments, it's like that there is light. And I just love that. That's so powerful. I do, too. And especially even with that is that, you know, going along with what you said about, like, I feel like we only ever see negativity anymore. And people just being divided yeah. about, you know, they, they have one stance and somebody else has another. But I think yeah. because of social media and things like that, all you see is the bad. And when re- in reality, like, the the people around you are probably you know, they're probably much nicer people than you're yeah. thinking they are. It's like with Uva. Yes. He's a very selfless man, and he comes across as, like, just this grumpy old man. Yes. We totally <laughs> had that, something like that. Like, um, you know, when we first moved to Tennessee, we had, like, a stupid power line issue that was going on with our neighbors. Not mm-hmm. their problem at all. It was just that one of our wires had gotten snipped. And they were, like, yeah. were repeatedly asking my husband, like, when is this going to be fixed? And Tanner was like, they hate us. Like, da 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 And they're, like, they're in their 70s. They have, like, their grandkids are, like, 15, 16. And so, anyways, and then every single day that Adelaide wants to go to the backyard and this this woman, Susan, who's so sweet, she comes out with her dog to, like, let their dog to go. And we are, like, forced, not forced, but by literally, like, we're both in our backyards. There's no, like, fence in between us. Like, we have to, like, talk. But over (laughs) the past few, um, few weeks, like, her sister passed away and, um... I, like, at the time, I wasn't able to, like, really, we had talked about it a little bit, but she brought over, like, flowers, because she had gotten a ton of flowers, like, literally, like, right there, Anna, is, like, flowers that she had brought us from, you know, and then, like, she um, noticed that Adelaide didn't have a ton of, like, backyard stuff, so, like, she gave us a wagon and, like, a, oh my gosh, it's terrifying, but, like, one of those, like, mobile, like, vehicles for little kids that they, like, and they, like, go, yeah, and Ah! um, she... I just realized I have to go pick up my child now that I'm just thinking about it. I have to pick her up in one minute. But anyways, so long story short, I have gotten to know these people in like some of the best ways and just Mm -hmm. like, I never would have known that if I had just seen them on the, you know, but I would have just, you know what I mean? Like you just never know. Human connection is so important. That's why I love this podcast is we literally created it so that we could have something positive that we talk about Mm -hmm. every week. I love that. Wow. Thank you guys for sticking with us this long. This episode means a lot to us. We really. This is a very. It's in our this is a deep episode. <laughs> it's a deep one. Okay, next week um, we've got some really fun things. We've got a guest mm-hmm. interview coming from so England. Excited. So, we're so excited. She's super cool. And yeah, stay tuned for that. I really have to go. Talk to you later. Yes. Thank you. Bye. See you guys next time.